All right, I want you to be real honest with yourself this morning. Over the past six months, while things have been a little wonky, has something come to the surface that you didn't expect to see? Something that you didn't want to see? Whether it's something that is between you and somebody else, whether it's an old recurring pattern that has been gone for a while, is it an addiction? Is it just a, a quiet sense of uh, discontent that's just sort of gurgling under the surface? Is it a, a, a voice in your head that comes back and accuses again and tears you down? Is, is there something that's bubbled up over the last six months that you thought was gone and here it is again, something maybe familiar, or something unexpected, or maybe you didn't, didn't expect to react the way that you are given the, the, the changing circumstances that linger, that are unwelcome. How do we deal with that? Let's talk about it. From the Word of God, Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 to 31. I invite you to turn in your Bibles or to check it out, however you do that. Tablet. If you're watching at home, pull up this passage. We're going to, to look at it closely. First, let's read it. Galatians 4, 21 to 31. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now, this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother, for it is written. Rejoice, O barren woman who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so also it is now. But what does the Scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit the son of the free woman. So we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. May God add his blessing this morning to us through this, his holy word. Let us pray. God, bless us now through your word, not only to our minds to understand, but our hearts to believe that through our lives we may live. 
Jesus' name. Amen. You've probably heard this before, that your system is perfectly formed for the result that you're currently achieving, right? So, you know, Patrick Morley first said this in a way that, I, that, that, that struck me. He, he said, you know, so if, if you're uh, operating a, uh, a car plant and every 130th car has a bumper that's loose, then your system is perfectly formed to achieve that result, right? So if, as going back to the first question, the opening question, you're experiencing something that's there that you thought was gone, or that something has bubbled up over the last six months that is unwelcome, you don't like, you want to see it, something in you or something between you and somebody else, is that a matter of trying harder? Or is it something that represents your formation? What I'd suggest to you this morning is, as we go through the scriptures here, that you have been formed around something central. And what you've been formed around is achieving your current results. Can you be reformed? Yes. It's called the Christian faith. <laughs> That's what our faith is all about. It's to be always in pursuit of being reformed. Well, let's contrast our two different approaches here this morning. One approach would say, uh, let's manage things better. Let's tighten our grip. The other would say, let's loosen our grip. So first, let's look at what it looks like to tighten our grip. You know, a lot of times what we're trying to convince ourselves of is that better management won't do it. But so often we believe that we just need to manage better. We just need better management. We need a, a tighter grip, right? That human nature, you know, it just, it, it is what it is. And so we just need to manage it better because human nature is just going to be what it is. So we need better management. A tighter grip. When I was in, in, in college, I learned uh, the, the failure of a tight grip. I, I used to go up to Windy Gap, which is a Young Life camp, and I used to help run their ropes course there. And the place where I would sit would be uh, the, the release point. When you're up there 45 feet in the air and, and you have to get out of the trees, I would sit there and I'd, I'd harness people in. And then I would watch them sweat. It was a lot of fun, you know, so... I remember one guy just getting up there, and I mean, I've never seen, you know how they talk about somebody breaking into a sweat? Well, this is where this came from. It was this guy. I mean, it was like he saw this thing. It was like, poof, like just broke into a sweat. So anyway, he, he was sitting there, and, and I remember thinking, you know, um, you know, he just needs to trust that cable, right? And he had such a grip on that cable. I said, look, your grip on that cable is not going to help. <laughs> All right, but but actually, it was kind of cruel. I put it the other way. I said, "Look, you better grip that cable as tight as you can, or you're gonna die." All right. So, this, I was, all right. Look, I was 19. People, cut me some slack. It's like, <laughs> so he was like, he looked at me. Really? No. I said, No, no. Your grip on that cable is not gonna make the cable stronger. You're hooked into the cable, and your grip doesn't make any difference. Oh, 
Okay. A lot of times I think what we think is, all right, I just need a better grip on my nature, my human nature. I just need a better grip on it. I need better management. I need, to, I need a tighter ship. You know, I just need to, to run a tighter ship. And this, is, this is what Paul is confronting in the Galatian church. He's saying, you guys have reverted back to something that is not true. You can't manage human nature into reformation. You can't manage it into reformation. See, what he's talking about here, he's, he's not saying that this whole story of Abraham and Sarah and Hagar is allegory. He's saying it can be read allegorically. So he's, he's grabbing a known story, a story that, that was told over and over again and a history that they all look back to. And he's saying, how do you view that history? Let's use it as an illustration for a mistake that we're prone to make, and that is to think that our tighter grip, our tighter grip, our more efficient management of human nature will change it. He's saying, look, when, when you look at Abraham and you see yourself as descendant from Abraham, that you're a branch off of Abraham's tree, and you think because you're a descendant of Abraham, that means that you're made of better stuff than the rest of, of the gene pool, you've made a fatal error. Being tied to Abraham, being a child of Abraham, does not make you more capable of managing human nature better. It doesn't. So what he's saying is, you know, a lot of times what... what what uh, is happening in these churches is once they receive the gospel and they're like, this is a free gift of grace, wow. And then they think, well, now what do I do? Now I need to manage better, right? Now I guess I'm a better person because I'm a member of First Presbyterian Church, right? Not like, a, where are all those people who aren't here this morning? We're not, we're not like those people, right? right? You people watching online, you know, this doesn't apply to you. Oh, yes, it does. Yeah, we're better because we're here. We're better because we're members. We're better because we're Christians. We're made of better stuff now. We're more capable of better management. That's like saying the cable's going to get stronger because my grip is tighter. See, he's, he's, he's noting this history and he's saying, look, you all think that, that you're made of better stuff because you're related to Abraham? No, if, if you think that way, then you're thinking that then you're actually trying to climb Mount Sinai. Why, why is he bringing up Mount Sinai here? Look back at uh, verse 25. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds with the present Jerusalem, right? For she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem from above is free. So he's contrasting here. He's saying, what, what, what's he saying here? What's he saying? If you think you're made of better stuff just because you're related to Abraham, you're actually reverting to an old system, an old covenant that says, if I just try hard enough, if I just manage enough, then I'm going to get better. No, we're actually lying to ourselves. We're actually just dealing with our symptoms and trying to feel better, and we're settling for feeling better rather than getting better. 
this is what he's saying using this allegory. Now, one of the reasons we believe this has to do with our education. Back, uh, you know, you, you trace things back to uh, the Enlightenment. There are certain assumptions that have infected our culture and our thinking and our educational system. One of those is from Rousseau, a French philosopher in the Enlightenment, who believed that we're born tabula rasa. That's the Latin for blank slate. The idea is that human nature isn't a nature. It's just, it's just nurtured. And so if, if there's something wrong, if something's bubbled up for you during the pandemic, if, the, if, if, if you're getting a, a whiff of something you thought was long gone and you don't like it, then you just need a, to unnurture that, to relearn some other skills. And you know what? In an affluent culture, we, we do very well with that, and that's a problem because then you're not actually dealing with the thing that's producing the thing. And so then, so Rousseau says this and, and um, this idea that there's a blank slate and there's no nature, there's just nurture. And then along comes John Dewey and the Teachers College in Columbia. And the Teachers College in Columbia, actually my, my, my grandfather was the superintendent of schools in, in uh, Ohio, went to the Teachers College uh, in Columbia. And so, you know, it's just sort of really mainstreamed. And the Teachers College of Columbia just believed that this whole philosophy that we just need to manage better, that we can actually manage ourselves into a better day, that human progress is inevitable, that, that we're always going to be getting better. You know, like that, there, there's, a, there's a TV commercial from years ago. It's like, you gotta, you, you've got to admit, it's getting better. It's getting better all the time, right? It's this sort of infection that says, we can manage ourselves out of nuclear holocaust. We can manage ourselves out of conflict. We can manage ourselves out of that little voice that, that accuses us. We can manage ourselves, nurture ourselves out of our human nature. Because there is no human nature, there's only human nurture. See, this is exactly what the Judaizers, and what they're called the Judaizers of Galatians, I mean, the whole book of Galatians is written to confront this problem of reverting back to an old covenant that says, if I just try hard enough because I'm made of better stuff, I'm a descendant of Abraham, if I can just try harder and manage better, I'm made of better stuff than the rest of the population. So I can do it. You say, no. You don't need to tighten your grip on that cable. The cable's got you. You need to loosen your grip. You need to loosen your grip. That means when you're dealing with something, you go back to the very square one that started it all for you. When did your faith begin? Where, what, how do you, what season of life, what event or what, what series of events or what, where were you and when was that season where you began to loosen your grip and say, Lord, this, my life is yours. It's unmanageable. The, the, the interior part of my life is unmanageable. When was that for you? Has that happened for you yet? If it hasn't happened, then, then 
you and I need to talk, or you need to talk with somebody who's a Christian who's been walking with the Lord for a while. You need to sit down and, and talk through that. If you're a Christian today, and you realize that what I'm saying is true, then you're, the answer to the thing that's bubbled up isn't better management. It's back to square one. It's the very thing that, that launched your faith in the first place will take you to the next step. Every step in the Christian life starts with that same square one. Loosen the grip, the grace of God. Here's what Reinhold Niebuhr said. From the standpoint... That Reinhold Niebuhr at one time was one of America's most trusted voices. He was a public... There were such things as public theologians, right? Reinhold Niebuhr was one of the most trusted voices in the United States. He said this, From the standpoint of the Christian faith, no achievements of culture and civilization can finally give us security. No achievement. On the contrary... Most of the evils of life arise from seeking frantically to establish absolute security by his own power, wisdom, or virtue. That's where most of the evil creeps out. When we begin, when we think that, that progress is inevitable, that we can manage our way into a better day, that, that human nature just needs better nurture, that's where things start turning sideways. We begin to develop these blinders and blind spots that, that will will, can destroy you, can destroy your relationships. You say, well, what does it look like to loosen your grip then? What does it look like to loosen your grip? Let's go back to verse 26. It says this, but the Jerusalem from above is free, and she is our mother. That's kind of funny language, isn't it? It sounds strange. And see, he's using an allegory. He's using imagery here, and he's using this word from above, and the same word in the New Testament is used when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. And he says, what? You not, must be born what? Born again, right? Ah, but actually it means from above. It's a word play. It's a word play. He's using a play on words. Jesus is using this play on words with Nicodemus. Recorded in John. The same word is here. There's a Jerusalem from above. Where's your citizenship, in other words? Where... Does new life come from? Does it come from, you know, this is, this is kind of graphic, but uh, PG-13 graphic. It's kind of like, is, does, it, does, it, does new life come from, from, from us powering up and taking over the way that Abraham, who was so frustrated and so old, uh, powered up and ruled over a, a slave woman in his home? Is that how it's working? See, Paul is really putting that fine a point on it. I mean, he's not mincing words. He's saying, no, it comes from, from above. Where did Isaac come from? You know what Isaac means? It means laughter, right? It means laughter. It's, it's kind of an onomatopoeia. You know, it's a, it's a word that, that, that sounds a little bit like what it says it is. So uh, Isaac you know, in Hebrew is itzak, right? It's, it's like you're laughing, itzak, right? And so the whole laughter and the whole name of this child is reminiscent of the fact that life is a gift from God. And so your change, your next step, your dealing with that thing that's bubbled up has to be a gift from God. It's got to be a loosened grip. It can't be better and tighter management. Think of it this way. Think of it this way. Going back to square one looks like this. What if you thought of your relationship with God like this? Like, let's just imagine a, a, a couple 
and uh, they've gotten engaged. And she says to him, why do you love me? This is, you know, guys, this is a trap. You know, this is a, this is dangerous ground, right? You're just like, why do you love me? Like, just sort of picture the ice, the thin ice, and you're just kind of getting out there onto that thin ice, all right? And you say, well, gosh, I've got to come up with some reasons. Okay, oh, well, you've got this beautiful skin. I love your beautiful skin. Um, you know what? Yeah, every time I want to go jogging, you, wanna, you go jogging with me. Yeah. Oh, you know what? You're, you're full of affirmation for me, right? And that's where our mind goes. We think, what are the things that she does for me that make me feel good about me? And if you think of those three things, all those, those things can fade or change or be taken away. But what if, what if he said this? And this, is, this would work, all right? So what if he borrowed these lines from Elizabeth Barrett Browning? How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. I love thee to the depth and breadth and height my soul can reach when feeling out of sight. For the ends of being and ideal grace, I love thee to the level of every day's most quiet need by sun and candlelight. I love thee freely as men strive for right. I love thee purely as they turn from praise. And the first answer says, I love you because of these things. The second answer says, I love you just because I love you. That's square one of the Christian life. That's the square one we return to again and again, just because. That's the square one of a changed heart, a changed life, a changed habit. Anything that you're dealing with, in other words, that's bubbled up during this pandemic, that you don't like, that you think needs tighter management, hear what William Temple says about it. The true aim of the soul is not its own salvation, to make, the, make that or its own salvation the chief aim. Instead, it's the true aim of the soul. The true aim is to glorify God. And in pursuing that aim, it will attain salvation unaware. You say, unaware, Tim, this sounds a little mysterious. Well, welcome to trusting Jesus. You know, I don't know if that cable's going to hold me. Well, okay, you can climb down. You see, when we come to this table, well, what it's saying is that there's more power to your trust than you can measure. There's more power to life change to taking that next step, to dealing with that thing that's bubbled up, then you can manage. There's more power in the grace of God than you can wrap your mind around, than you can understand. Shouldn't you expect that when it comes to changing human nature, when it comes to taking a step beyond the thing that you're dealing with that you've not been able to deal with, shouldn't you expect that you're going to come to the edge of mystery and how God can powerfully deal with that thing in your life? Shouldn't you expect it? 